Welcome to Next Level Greatness, the podcast. Around here, we'll be talking about all things expansion, going from good to great and from great to greatness. I'm your host, Barbie Collab. Get ready for your next level. Let's do this. Before we jump into today's episode, I have to share with you that on Thursday, September 8th, the doors officially open to my live six-week experience slash course called Money Magnet. The website is in the show notes. It's also barbiekalev.com forward slash money magnet. It is going to be magic. If this is speaking to you, everything that we've been talking about, just head over to the link to look at the information. You'll see the testimonials, videos, information that will allow you to get all the details and the pricing and decide if this is an investment that you want to make in yourself. Welcome to Next Level Greatness, the podcast. Today, I am so excited to share a friend with you. I've had a friend from France for over 24 years and we just reconnected. She's a published author and we reconnected because she sent me a text after seeing some of my posts around money. And I said, why don't we hop on the phone and create a podcast and let's dig in to your money stories. So we are just going to call her Jeanne. Welcome, Jeanne. Thank you, Barbie. It's, uh, it's so nice to talk to you again. It's been such a long time. It's been forever, but we've had such a deep friendship. And 24 years of friendship, we've never quite discussed our money stories and the issues that we had with money. But my memory is just that we didn't have any money and that we were always just trying to make it. So I want to jump right in because we don't have hours and ask you the question, how has your relationship to money been in the past 24, 30 years, your entire life? And has it changed? It hasn't fundamentally changed, I think. It's just like, of course, things got better over the years. I'm not a student anymore, but uh, probably based on the type of work I do, which is on one part of creative part, uh, job because I write and this is not something that you make a lot of money uh, with. And the second thing is I've been teaching, I've been doing travel writing, but I've never gotten a nine to five job where you have a yearly salary. It's always been here something, there something else. And I'm a little bit tired of that. It's been going on for many, many years. But on the other hand, I don't see myself working in, in an office every day and I need this freedom. But I wonder how to do to get more out of it. So let me ask you something. Are there examples in your field of published authors who are making a great living and have more abundance than you do of course but there's one thing one people need to know about that it's just a lot of people write way more than we probably think so there are of course like handful of writers who are really really well known and who 
make a lot of money. And then there is probably a category of authors who do make some money but are not like super famous. And then there's a big, 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 big amount of people who write and we don't know about them and they actually have to have another job on the side, you know, and it is my case. I'm only publishing my third novel uh, in a few months. And, but you know, some people after the second novel get very rich and very famous. I'm not like looking for famous for famous. It's not my objective at all, but it's just like having people read me and trying to be able to live out of it, or at least having more time for my creative endeavors and not having to fight for money on the side with jobs that are not necessarily interesting all the time. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. As you're speaking, the first thing that I keep thinking is why not you? And I know you. And if I dare say it, maybe things have changed because I don't want to assume that you haven't changed in 20 something years, but we tend Mm -hmm. to do we tend to do the same things over and over again because we're like conditioned little robots. It's almost like you're affirming your situation. This is the way that it always is. This is the way that it's always going to be. The other people are lucky. If you look at the way that you speak and the way that you think, and you might not be able to see it right now, but this is something that I want you to, moving forward, I want you to just become aware of where are you affirming that? So, you know, you and I were forever dieting when we were in our 20s and and early 30s. I would always be like, do I look fat? Does this look like this on me? Oh my God, I'm so fat. Even if I wasn't, right? But what I didn't realize was that in speaking that way, I was actually affirming that situation. And I was affirming that things would be that way. And I wonder if that's something that you're doing because when you say, well, I'm always broke or I'm always just getting by or this is just the way that it is, then you close yourself to the possibilities that might be right in front of you. Well, yeah, that's definitely. On one hand, I would say that I'm aware of the affirmations about, okay, I'm going to get up abundance and things are going to be flowing. It's going to be easier. But the reality is that I live in a very tiny one-bedroom apartment that's too small for me in which I not only live, but work. And so my living room is also my office. And, you know, my kitchen is really, really, really close to my office and my living room. So even though I want to affirm that things will be better and they are better, but it's not enough. And I'm aware of that. Of course, it happens that I complain about how small it is more money I would like or how I would like to be able to purchase an apartment in Paris, which is not possible, etc., etc. So I know that I'm going like both ways. Maybe I make the universe a little bit like confused because on one hand, I'm like saying, well, it's going to happen. And at the same time, I might complain for myself and with others about how limited it is. That's exactly what I'm saying. And this is so exciting because I've never done this. It's like a hot seat where you're a living, breathing example. So you only discovered my podcast today. So I talk a lot about manifestation and becoming a money magnet. And one of the things that I say often is that a lot of us are going around. You just said it yourself that you're doing affirmations, right? You're saying affirmations and you can say them all day long. You can have a vision board. You can write down. I'm attracting wealth. I buy my own Paris apartment, but 
if you are not connected on a feeling level as if that were your reality, you're going to keep feeling the same thing that you're feeling. Now, hold on. Let me break this down a little bit more. So what Uh you uh just said was when you said, look at the way you said it. Like, of course I do the affirmations. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. And it's almost like, la, 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 blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh So that's not very feeling. It's almost like you don't even believe it yourself. Number one. Number two, when you do say affirmations, you want to always state them in the present. So I am loving living in my own Paris apartment and you feel it, you visualize it, you imagine it. Okay. When you say things and you put them off in the future, like, yeah, I'm going to live in a Paris apartment that I pay for. And then the next sentence you said was something like, but it, you know, of course, like it's impossible because it's so expensive and da, da, da. it's like, you uh-huh. just create this big old freaking mess ball of affirmations that are in the future that are far away from you. So if they're always in the future, they're always going to be in the future. And then you negate Uh your affirmation with your negative talk. And then the third thing is that you also said that you complain, oh, but it's to myself and sometimes to other people. Well, this is, I think, a good entry point to start talking about your subconscious. I mean, who's the one that's making things happen? It's you or things are happening through you. And so does it matter? This is a question for the listeners and for you. Like, does it actually matter if you're talking to yourself and saying, I'll never be able to do this. I mean, this is impossible. Yeah, I'm grateful that I have food and that I'm able to publish three books, but my kitchen is right next to the bathroom and the bedroom and my office, (laughs) right? And so, yes, you're talking to yourself, but your subconscious mind doesn't care if it's negative or it's a servant. All the researchers say it's like this. It's a servant to you. Your brain is a servant to itself. And so if if you're complaining, that's what your brain is hearing. I was wondering if you can't control your conscious thoughts and say, oh, no, I just said that it's too small. But now let me think. Yes, you can. But your subconscious, you can't control it. Yes, you can rewire it. Yes, you can. You absolutely can. Doing uh, meditation, things like that. What would you say? Yes. So there are many ways. I'm not a hypnotherapist, but we just had a hypnotherapist on our podcast, which you listen to. Mm -hmm. So when you put yourself either in a meditative or hypnotic state, your subconscious is like a sponge and becomes much more susceptible to new Mm -hmm. messages. And so we literally have to rewire our brain with Uh new messages. And it feels like a lot of quote unquote work. It feels like, okay, I just caught myself saying, I'm never going to have this. Stop. Delete. I am enjoying myself. I am grateful for everything that I have. I'm so fortunate that I got to publish three books and I love writing. So you practice, you practice through Uh meditation. You can get them on YouTube. You can do personal work with like a hypnotherapist. You can do breath work and you could do visualization. It's the awareness. But the most important thing is accompanying feeling with what it is that you're visualizing. This is a podcast. We've been talking for 12 or so minutes. 
it's impossible for you to walk. Well, it's not, nothing's impossible, but you, it's impossible sort of for you to walk away from this and be like, okay, I'm transformed because it is a process, right? Like writing is a process. It's meditation. It's hypnotherapy. It's a lifetime of talking to yourself differently. And I go back to the weight thing because I was so obsessed with my weight back in my twenties when you and I really hung out. I was so obsessed. It was like constant dieting and craziness. And now you know, no matter what my body's going through, I am aware to give myself the love that I wouldn't give myself before. Like I would look at a mirror and, and just find the things that were wrong with me, even if there was nothing wrong with me. Yeah. And I've trained mm-hmm. myself to look at myself and say, oh, this looks good. Or like, okay, you know, maybe my pants are a little tight or whatever, but it is a process you can change. So it is a process that can take place over a few weeks, a few months. You really can change drastically in 30 days. It just really depends on the strength of the experiences. I had an experience where I went to an event and I was very kind of masculine before, just not very much in my feminine energy back when, when you knew me. Uh And I had this experience at a Tony Robbins event, which is unrelated to money, but I saw something that was so strong of a woman like literally transform herself, her being with some of Tony Robbins words. And through her transformation, I felt something come over me and I felt very feminine all of a sudden. And the transformation happened instantly. And so with your money stories, there could be an event, there could be a conversation, something you read that happens instantly. But in most cases, or in a lot of cases, It happens over time. And this is something that we're going to be talking about in my upcoming course to become a high money magnet, but because you'll be supported in a container. So for those of you guys who are listening and you're interested, and of course, yes, you can do this work on your own, but you can also do this with me in a container Uh where, where you're supported and with like-minded people, which I think is extremely helpful. And also you'd have structure. So let's dig in Jeanne a little bit on into your money stories and the way that you grew up, what kinds of things did you hear when you were small about money? And there was something that you said before you started recording that you kind of feel afraid of making money and something to do with your family. Can we talk about that? Yeah, I guess like I come from a family where we were scarce. I mean, we had plenty enough to live like, okay. I mean, we never had not enough, but we had a house, we had food on our plates. and But it was always like, we always had to Pay attention if let's say we'd go to a restaurant one month that was it because we had to pay attention and the interesting thing is that both my parents were school teachers so we would go camping during the summers i mean we would always go on vacation you know it's not like we were deprived from anything mm-hmm. but it was just like never abundant and i was aware of my parents paying attention to every penny they met and yeah, and I think it's just I'm 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 afraid in in some ways to to be above that to become really abundant as if I was uh, going to betray them. I think there is on 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 a certain level, and I'm just going to give you an example of one thing that really you know shocked me when I was very young. I mean, shocked is maybe a strong word, but that I remember 
as being, you know, part of both worlds. We worlds. We had a neighbor, an old lady. We lived in a village near Paris, right? And there was a golf club nearby. And we had a neighbor who would come during the weekends. She was an old lady, very wealthy old lady, and I really loved her. And for some reasons, I was really attracted to her world and how she mm -hmm. lived, how she talked. And I would always go visit her. And my mom knew her from her childhood because her old mom, my grandmother, had worked for her as a cook. And one day we visited her with my mom and this old lady asked where my mom would buy my clothes. And my mom answered something, you know, that sort of made me ashamed because mm -hmm. I would have loved her to lie and to say something more elegant. And I, I was maybe six or seven, but I already had, you know, this feeling that um, this was uncomfortable. I would have preferred my mom saying something else or not saying or saying here and there, but not mentioning this brand that I felt was not okay. She was my example. I was admiring this mm -hmm. woman and I was like hoping that I would enter her world at some point, mm -hmm. you know. And in a way, I'd say like culture somehow because my world now is a world of culture, of being in a world where people publish books or do art things. And, but I haven't gotten to the point where I do make money enough. That's such a beautiful story. I can relate. What was your mother's reaction to this older woman? What was her attitude towards this woman that was wealthy and part of this different world? I think my mom was just like staying where she, I mean, she didn't mm. pretend to be something else. By the way, I mean, this old woman knew because she had known my mother since she was a child. So it's not, I already had this feeling that I had to adapt. And okay, this is, this what is I so did huge. This is so huge. Do you feel how huge this is? So, uh -huh. I mean, I have goosebumps. Your mother wasn't pretending to be something else. She was just uh -huh. herself and this is what it is. And she just had full uh -huh. acceptance. Your little yes. child self, li uh -huh. little Jeanne, wanted that thing and wanted your mother to lie because she wanted more. So, yes. And of course, your mother is your life source, right? She's the one that feeds you. She's the one that supports you. She's the one that's supposed to be your role model. And then here you mm -hmm. are having this role model and someone that you look up to that is part of a different world. So it only makes sense that an adaptive strategy for you as an adult would be to do the same exact thing that your mother did, which was to adapt, to adapt and to accept. I see your face. I wish people could see your face. You just adopted your mother's behavior, which was to accept that this is your situation, even though you are desiring to be part of this other world. Yes, except that what happened is that I, in a way, I am part of this other world. Yes. By, for, for example, like getting my PhD. Yes. By, you know getting into and that's belong to a certain world now on the cultural aspect not on the wealth aspect you know what i mean yes so you've earned your right to be in this other world yes so what is it going to take for you 
because it sounds to me, I can see it from the outside. You've always been, you know, brilliant. You've always been a writer. You've written three novels. Mm. It's, it's so amazing. So in order for things to truly change, you have to change on the level of identity. Okay. So if you look at, it's called the levels of change in neuro-linguistic programming at the very bottom, you can change your environment. You can change your behaviors. You can do the things you can change more if you change your thoughts and beliefs, right? So the way that you can begin to change your thoughts and beliefs and to rewire what you think that you don't belong in this world, even though you said it's like, you've got one foot in the present in this new world, but you've got the other foot in your childhood with Mm -hmm. this. You were okay. You guys did okay. You went on vacation once in a while. And so you have this loyalty to your past. Absolutely. Yes. And so the real level of change is going to come when you, oh, I get goosebumps. When you adopt Mm -hmm. a new, it's, it's about adopting a new identity. It's about deciding who am I now? Because the thing is, you're a fucking novelist. You're a novelist. You get, it's amazing, right? Because you get to create all these Mm -hmm. realities, but you also get to create yourself and who you want to be. And Mm -hmm. so you can begin by deciding who am I? You just said something very interesting because you said you have a foot in your childhood. Yes. And the fact that I don't feel abundant, that I'm still scarce with money, makes me feel that I'm still a child somehow. And also in the eyes of my own parents, because somehow they always worry, do you have enough? Do you need help? So I still feel like I'm not exactly an adult because it's possible that, uh, you know, there's a month where it's not enough for me. And I might, I mean, I know I'm not asking for help or that this is really rare, but can happen and I think that the way they look at me is maybe not like the way I would like to be looked at you know so there is a discrepancy between what I feel inside that I am in terms of accomplishments yes but um on the other hand I still feel like they're little girls or girl or you know I'm still a little bit childish because I cannot for example help them Or, you know, like I cannot say like, let's go to vacation and I invite you guys or, you know what I mean? So this is something that I suffer from somehow. Yes. And it makes perfect sense. And for anyone that's listening, we cannot wait for other people to view us differently because it really doesn't matter. I'm sure that in some ways, you know, my mother came over to visit us a few months ago and I said, we're going to do this or something. And my husband and I are doing great financially. And my mother said, Oh, but you have to think about the future, right? And I said, Uh what makes you think we're not thinking about the future, mom? I didn't get triggered because I knew that it didn't have to do with me. It had to do with her and her thinking. Uh And so with you, your work is really going to lie in really deciding who you want to be and how you want to move in this world. And it's not pretending, it's acting as if and it's really about embodying this Uh is really about getting into the character of who you imagine that wealthier that more secure confident jean that is living somewhere in the future you know your wiser self 
Since you just discovered my podcast, you can go back to different episodes. I have episodes on talking to your higher self or as your higher self. This is the work of a lifetime. Again, for those of you who want more support, my course is starting on the 27th. The car is going to close on September 20th. So this is the work that you would be supported through. But if you're doing this on your own, it's about decide who do you want to be embodiment itself it's a whole thing that can take a lifetime that you have to practice it's about visualizing and not just visualizing like oh, i see myself living in a paris apartment mm-hmm. it's about visualizing living the affirmations and really feeling what that would feel like if you were free from having that foot in the past thinking that you're going to somehow betray your parents i think it's also time that you rewrite your story that somehow you will betray your parents where we don't have time to get into it here now but begin to reframe this idea that you're betraying them and start connecting with a different possibility that oh my gosh they might actually feel more they might feel happier to see their daughter secure, to see that their daughter can take them on vacation. And so because you're making up stories and we all do this, so it's not like you're making up stories. No, it's your child brain that thinks like, I have to be loyal. I have to be loyal. I can't show that I love this old lady that is so rich and wealthy because then it would say that what we are is not enough. And you get to Mm -hmm. rewrite that story. So mm-hmm. I think this is a good place to wrap up. Do you have anything to share? I hope you've had some moments. I feel like I've talked a lot. No, 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 no. It's just that you're, what you just added at the end, thinking she was better and they're not enough. This might be the kind of childish thinking that might stay with us, Absolutely. even though we grow and we change, but somehow is so anchored deeply and unconsciously that it's difficult to get past that. And this is maybe another question, but you probably can help with all these sessions that you you plan on doing. But uh, it's, uh, you know, how do you really feel that things are different when, for example, the litter box box of your cat is in the entrance because there is not enough uh, room in the bathroom to put the litter box, for example. So... It's really two questions. How do you feel abundant when you're literally almost stepping on the litter box, Uh, right? (laughs) So it's two things. Number one, you've never had a cat. So when you and I started talking before we started recording, you said, and now I have a cat. Well, I'm guessing that's Mm -hmm. a good thing, right? And it sounds so cliche, but it really, really is true. Instead of focusing on like, damn, I almost stepped on the litter box again. It's like, I'm so, redirect your thought. It's what can you be grateful for? Think about and feel about every time you catch yourself. I love this cat. I love how she comes to me. I love how she smells me. I love how she wakes me up. Focus on the things that you do have, the abundance that is present while you're wanting more things. Yes, yes. And then Mm -hmm. the second thing is, well, you are living in a tiny little apartment. That is the reality. But you can begin to think about other things. And it's related to what I just said. You can begin to think about other things that you are grateful for. So let's say you go to Paris and it's like working out a muscle. You go to Paris and you are seeing an apartment and you just admire 
the apartment from the outside and you love that light fixture at the corner of the street. So you appreciate what you're seeing, even if it's not yours. And so you yes. get in that mode of appreciation, even if the apartment's yeah. not yours, even if this beautiful couch is not yours. And then you can begin to practice by doing little affirmations that are like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to have this apartment? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Or like try to hold on to little emotions that do bring you pleasure, that do bring you joy and then think about, so this is all very conscious. This is how we retrain our brain. So you think about like, ooh, this feels good right now. Ooh, this, this is such a nice thought. This is such a nice memory. You can also think about something that you were successful at before when you felt really good about something, whether it was like mm -hmm. love or whatever, it doesn't matter. And then you attach that new thing that you imagine that it would feel like. So you oh imagine gosh. that it would feel so freaking amazing to live in this new Paris apartment that you own and to have overflow. And you attach it to that feeling that you're having when you're feeling good. And then it's yeah. going to get easier because, right, how do you know how you're supposed to feel? No, true, true. I want to share a, a last story yes. if you want. It's funny because, you know what, before I uh, published... I wrote for 10 years before I got mm -hmm. published. I mean, you know that. And at some point, I wanted to publish so badly that I took books with covers that I liked. Yep. And I put my name on it and I put some uh, some glue on it and a title that would be my title. And I was looking at that book, you know, as if it was my book. That's and great. at some point, it happened. That's it. You manifested. You manifested. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so focus on the fact that you've manifested three books and mm -hmm, now mm -hmm. where people have been trying to get published and never get published mm -hmm, right mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. focus on the fact that you have published that you have manifested and start doing everything that we've talked about on this episode you'll go back and mm -hmm. listen and start seeing how can i expand that how can i attract more how can i be more grateful or yes. where can i be more grateful when it comes to manifesting it's not necessarily how can i do this do i have to work more do i have to try harder it's more opening up to yourself to the possibilities that abundance is everywhere that there could be someone that absolutely loves your book that is a famous person and that makes a tweet or shares on social media and then your book goes viral and then look you yeah. have quote unquote overnight success which is not overnight right the possibilities when it comes to manifesting in our life are endless but we just get so stuck in our litter box of how things are supposed to happen and life can be like that especially if we keep affirming that that's the way life works but life can also really really be like amelie it can really be magical <laughs> but we have yeah. to be open to it all right mm -hmm. thank you so much Carl, that's so so nice of you that you organized that session with me i really appreciate it yeah you have a lot to to think about and to chew on and yes. you guys thank you so much for tuning in and again if you want some details on my upcoming course i'm so freaking excited about it it's not i'm like out of my skin the link is in the show notes and i will see you guys next week thank you did you love that episode or what? Make sure to leave me a review and let's connect over on Facebook in your empowered life community. I'll see you next time.